guys, here it is, finally happening. My first podcast, The Secrets of the Enhanced Superman, episode one. I'm going to try and get this all in one take, so that I don't have to spend all night doing podcasts. You know me, I like to stay up until 2 or 3 or 4, or sometimes 5 o'clock in the morning, just to get all my work done. But hopefully that's not going to be today. So, first episode, I'm just going to get right to it. We're doing q and I'm doing a couple of questions that I got on Instagram that I felt needed more time than what I could give it in my Secret Saturday series where I do my tips and tricks. So if you are hearing me for the first time, check out my Instagram, at the Enhanced Superman, where you can see on my IGTV, I've got that full bits and pieces going. I'm sure I can put that in the description somewhere. Don't really know how this whole podcast bit's going to work yet. Um, but one question that I got from, I was going to say, Carl, I won't give full info so that I'm not busting out anybody's anonymity wanted to know my thoughts on young lads jumping on the gear too quick now this is a quick warning if you have no interest in speaking well in listening to discussions about peds this is a short segment based off a couple of questions that i got from some followers about them if you don't want to hear about it, skip the next seven and a half minutes because it will not interest you. There's some fantastic content in the rest of it that is pretty fitness friendly for all. Absolutely loaded question, but very good one. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of people nowadays that have access to vigor too easily. Um, I get a lot, obviously, that I do do some work within a supplement shop, um, working in a gym, talking to younger dudes that are looking to put on a couple of pounds. Um, It's that quick, easy fix. Instead of getting the fundamentals of training and nutrition right, they think, oh, I'll jump straight on gear. That's the only thing that makes people big. Uh, The fact of the matter is, if there is any young people listening to this, I say young people as if I'm old. I am just about to turn 28. Um, but feeling old Uh, if you are on the young side and you're thinking about jumping on some gear because you think that's exactly what's going to make me big rethink it because if you take it and you continue to train like shit and you continue to under eat you will grow a little bit because the drugs do just make you grow but you're not really going to be that Instagram celebrity you're trying to uh, emulate because most people that look incredible that are taking some PEDs, they've got the training nailed, they've got the nutrition nailed, they've also got exceptional genetics in a lot of cases, and they are working hard around the clock. You don't just pop a magic pill and all of a sudden you're Callum Von Moger or whoever it is that you want to look like from taking some stuff. Um, in my experience of the years, because I've been in the bodybuilding circles so long i've worked for enhanced athletes or I've, you know yourself I've, I've jumped in through those videos of i've talked to different people while involved in that i know what people actually take at high levels i know what people say people take at high levels and unfortunately 18 year old dudes want to believe somebody's better than them because they're taking more drugs so really my, my thoughts on young lads jumping on stuff too quick. 
it happens too often these days without any real thought for what's going to happen in 10 years when they maybe start thinking about having a family sitting down slowing down and taking stuff like that and living a normal life so i, I would really like if we get more education out there to these lads to to not just jump straight onto it not that i'm against gear use because obviously my name is the enhanced superman <laughs> let's be real here i'm good at uh, allowing people to pioneer their own evolution to quote tony huge um but that being said you need to be an adult before you make an adult decision this topic will kind of tie in somewhat nicely to another question that i got which was the benefits of using SARMs over traditional AAS cycles. Um, now it's not going to be me saying SARMs are 100% safe for people to take. Because they're not. They do have some associated side effects the same as steroids. They are just a much safer version of it. And people argue that with me. There is a lot of people in the industry that still like to say SARMs don't work. Or that there's not enough research on them. Or that they're dangerous. I have used them, I continue to use them, and I have used them while getting blood work done. Say regards their liver toxicity. There's only one, I'm not gonna go into details of names on this because I'm not looking to promote the use of them. Well, maybe I'll backtrack that. I will name the only one that is in any way liver toxic, which is S23. It's also the only one that causes severe suppression of natural testosterone in males. The reason for that, it's initial trials and the initial reason it was created was actually to be used as a male contraceptive. The reason it didn't make it to market was because it was so liver toxic. During trials for that, they did actually discover that it had incredible effects for the look of a physique. It also increased aggression quite a bit and caused an increase in strength. So those are, let's not lie here, those are benefits from that particular SARM, but out of everything I have trialed, when I trialed S23, my liver values were through the roof. I might as well have been on a piss for 10 days. Every other SARM that I've ever come into contact with or looked at data on, liver values don't budge if they're real SARMs. Um, in terms of suppression, there are much easier to come on and off of so for somebody perhaps that doesn't want to commit to a lifetime of testosterone replacement therapy that could be a viable option for somebody say that wants to compete in a untested federation and push their physique a little bit further if everything else is in check let's say training diet sleep hydration all of those things are perfect and they can't get anything else better. Um, they've maybe tapped out that quote-unquote natural potential. SARMs could be that viable option instead. Um, it still counts as enhancement, so anybody who thinks that they are natural if they use SARMs, you're wrong. Um, the only thing they really have up on steroids is that currently they are um, kind of gray area. They're not illegal. They're not legal. They are legal for research purposes. Some countries are flat out legal. Um, in some places they are shortly to become something that a doctor can actually prescribe. And in fact, I think in a few wellness clinics in the States, 
things like MK677, which is not really a SARM, it's a growth hormone secretagogue, uh, actually does get prescribed. Um, I'm going a little bit off topic here. Benefits of SARMs over traditional AAS cycles. Less liver toxic, easier to come on and off of, not so many side effects because a selective androgen receptor modulator is by very definition meant to be more specific just for muscle tissue, not for affecting everything in the body as a lot of steroids do. Um, they're still not entirely safe, but I would consider them much safer than steroids if I was going to have somebody tell me without a doubt they were going to do one. I'd much rather them take that unless they plan to be on testosterone replacement therapy for life. But that's enough of the chemical talk. I do believe that's enough of my controversial topics for the evening. So maybe just a tad bit more controversy. Um, just talking with a topic of is a calorie deficit the only thing important to weight loss and um, a question that i've got at nausea for a long time from people um there are certain people social media influencers that are pushing the idea is the only important thing to lose body fat um well technically yes if you are not in a caloric deficit you will not lose weight there is a lot more factors to that that need to be taken into account because that's not always a fact i have had clients in the past that i knew were adherent one client in particular and this is where it comes in if, if you have a issue with your hormone profile so one particular female client prepping for a show who suffers with pcos polycystic ovarian syndrome um Several things occur when somebody has PCOS. There's different levels of androgens in the body compared to a regular female, as well as very poor insulin sensitivity. Some even presenting the same symptoms as a type two diabetic. In this case, this particular client in the past had been on metformin. Um, so you, you would pretty much consider them near a type two diabetic at one case that had been fixed long before I started working with them. But what I'm getting at here, this particular client I knew was 100% adherent. We were on a carb cycling plan. Calories were remaining the same through each of those different carb cycling days. All days was a caloric deficit. The beginning stages, we lost weight. It worked. One to two pounds per week, that was the goal. At a certain point, we had a standstill. No more weight would come off still technically in a caloric deficit at one point based off fitness trackers and tde calculations along with food intake measuring everything up there was a 1200 calorie deficit and not a pound was being lost over two weeks through that i did some research to try and find what might work better for that person's hormone profile we switched to a ketogenic diet and kept the same amount of calories the weight started falling off now that is not me saying that somebody at 1200 calorie deficit will not lose any weight because they will 
my theory there is by all measure of my calculations between a TDEE calculator, a fitness tracker, etc., all those variables, they were all made incorrect by the condition. So although we thought that she was in a caloric deficit, she was not. So yes, you need to be in a caloric deficit to lose weight. But if all the usual things you used to see what creates a calorie deficit are skewed by a hormone condition, you need to look at other factors to regulate the BMR, basal metabolic rate. Best example really just being a type 2 diabetic or PCOS sufferer, if that's the correct word for it, um, meaning that a calorie deficit with large amounts of carbohydrates is not going to produce the same result as a calorie deficit in a ketogenic diet. That's a fact. So in that kind of situation, a calorie deficit is not a calorie deficit. People can argue with that with me all day, but science is science. Facts are facts. If somebody has a condition that makes it impossible for you to accurately figure out what their BMR is without going and getting a barrage of medical tests and using incredible equipment that I'd never have access to because I'm a trainer and a coach. Um, that's where I believe a calorie deficit is not the most important thing for weight loss. Now that there's other factors that could be looked into as well, like rather than the calorie deficit being the most important thing, what about checking sleep? What about checking stress levels, hydration? If those three things are off, more than likely a calorie deficit will be difficult to maintain. Not just from the point of view of if they were adherent and following the plan, that's great. If hydration, sleep and stress are all fucked, they're not going to maintain the adherence for the longest time because other things like if your sleep is impeded your leptin and ghrelin levels are going to be way off um, leptin being what says oh you're full stop eating ghrelin being the hormone that tells you no no you're hungry keep eating uh, ghrelin will be higher leptin will be lower if your sleep is fucked that makes it very difficult to adhere to here's your diet plan go and do it so what I would say to the lovely follower that asked me, is a calorie deficit the most important thing to weight loss? It's a factor, but it's not the most important thing. Check your sleep, check your water, assess your stress levels, fix all of those things, then get your calorie deficit right. By whatever means necessary, be that a ketogenic diet, a carb cycle, going vegan, intermittent fasting, there's so many different options. Find one that works for you, that you find easy to adhere to. Now this uh, next question I will try and keep short and sweet because I don't want to turn it into some kind of a, a shitting on trainers that have not taken the time to learn endocrinology because it's a very difficult topic anyway. Um, even regular general practice doctors don't know enough about it. Um, so I'll just get it right out there. A question I got was, do male trainers need to understand 
female hormones if they're taking on a female client. In my opinion, yes, you need to have a, at least a baseline understanding of how the female hormone system works because it, regardless of what you want to believe, it's different to a male's. Females are going to need to train a little, well, not train a little bit different. You can train the exact same. It's just, let's say if you've got a stage client, this is where this becomes incredibly important. If you know sweet fuck all about the female endocrine system, you just know how to get yourself lean and you're a dude. The approaches you take will not be the same from a health point of view for that female. So I, I would urge any male trainers out there to plan to prep any females for a show or just help them get really lean. I'm not saying you need to go out there and get back into university and do a full PhD in endocrinology. But if you just take a bit of time and go and get yourself slightly educated on the female cycle, um, just so you can understand how they work, how you might be able to support them better, how you can understand the peaks and valleys of their estrogen and progesterone through the month and different points so that maybe you can start to tailor the nutrition and supplementation around that monthly cycle. And another fantastic question was, uh, do you need carbs to build muscle? And is it different for females? Kind of ties back into that previous question uh, in brackets from this particular uh, follower that asked this question. Um, they see girls all the time piling in carbs, but they are scared to do so. Um, so not you don't necessarily need a lot of carbs to build muscle. I would consider protein to be more important. Um, specifically so that you're hitting your leucine threshold. Um, but carbs are protein sparing. What does that mean? That means during the process of you trying to build muscle by going to the gym and then recovering and eating in a caloric surplus, which means eating more calories than you burn, carbohydrates will have a protein sparing effect, which means you're less likely that if you drift into a deficit, your body will look for calories from somewhere, usually it will jump for the muscle first. If you have an abundance of carbohydrates, it'll have a sparing effect on your muscle tissue. So it makes it a little bit less likely that you're going to eat into your own supply of muscle while you're trying to build it. But that does not mean that you need to eat six, 700 grams of carbs a day and get fat. If you already know how to work out your own macros, it's maybe you don't if you're the person asking this question. I'm not going to go into full detail of how you set your macros and your calories, but the very basic thing is figure out what your TDEE is, which I mentioned earlier on in the podcast. TDEE is your total daily expenditure estimate. That's an estimate of how many calories you burn per day. There's many calculators online you can use to do that. If you figure out that number and you want to build a bit of muscle, let's put it out there that your TDEE is 2000. That's not a real number, that's taken out of the air, using it as an example. Let's add 500 to that. 
if you eat 2500 calories every day for the week that's an extra 3500 calories that will gain you a pound a week that's a safe amount of gain within that 2500 calories you figure out a couple of ratios for how much protein how much carbs how much fat you want to have i'm not going to throw mine out there because that's private to some of my coaching clients but you figure out whatever ratios you want to split them up between play around with them set protein first next set your fats and then whatever is left use as carbs then over a period of time adjust that based off what's happening with your goals um, that's a very simplistic way of putting it if you do want more detail on it i can of course set your numbers for you if you want me to do it on a constant basis and really make sure that you're getting results obviously i'd advise you to fill out my type form which will be in the description of this and to see if we'd be a good fit for coaching together that's not me making a big play to make you have to come to me it doesn't have to be me you can go to any coach that you click with um the real thing is trying to find a coach that will nicely slot into your life and help you don't go for the person with the largest amount of following and actually that that one's going to tie nicely into my next one so i'll leave it there to figure out how many carbs you need figure out your tdee use one of the online calculators add 500 calories to it and then work out ratios within there so i'd actually already briefly covered this one in the secret saturday for this weekend which was not on a saturday it was actually the sunday because i had issues with my tech technology is amazing until it's not um but that last one sparked on this thought process so somebody asked me the question of saying well they're in south side dublin too far away from where i do my in-person training but would really like to work with me um what would i advise for them to do in finding a trainer in their location what should they not or rather what should they look to avoid in a trainer and rather than go down that route i gave what should you look for in a trainer which are a few things you're looking for social proof you're looking at seeing how they train their clients are they actually passionate do they care about them getting results the money shouldn't really be a factor if those two things are correct if you know they care about their clients and you know they can get the results because they've done what you want to do the only important thing after that is making sure you click with them which is what i was getting on to in the last one when i get somebody to fill out my type form which is just an online form for you to fill out a couple of questions for me to learn a few things about you before we have a consultation it's an opportunity for me to learn a little bit about you so that i can see do i think this person will be a good fit for my coaching style because i'm not in this business to just take money unnecessarily from people and take every single client that walks through the door i want us to be a good fit because i want everyone i work with to get results you should be as picky about who you're working with so yes if you know they can get results brilliant but have that conversation with the trainer see is it somebody you actually like see is it somebody you want to talk to because i don't know about other trainers but i end up being friends with most of my clients so you talk to them very frequently so if you're going to take on a trainer make sure it's somebody you want to talk to 
Now, so final question of the first episode. It's also something that I already answered briefly in my Secret Saturdays session on Instagram. Um, shout out to my man Kev again. We look for some tips on self-discipline. Um, I feel on the podcast a little bit easier to talk through that topic. Very simple. Set yourself a couple of small attainable goals to start doing over a period of say 30 days as I explained in the video. Little things like getting out for a certain number of walks in a week. Setting yourself small tasks through the day that you make sure you do. Over time if you can do little things correctly and consistently as you promise yourself, bigger asks will get easier and easier to accomplish. Um, and with that, this is actually me building a bit of self-discipline for myself and finally getting my finger out and having this podcast up and running. I've wanted to do this for about five years since I started listening to podcasts like Joe Rogan, Ben Bukulski, recently Chris Spearman Fitness. Um, there's been many podcasts through the years to begin with. It was mainly just comedy stuff that I drifted into fitness because obviously that's what I'm ta- passionate about. So for me, I've been making large commitments to myself to make the social media posts that help me grow my business. So if you liked this first episode, I would really appreciate if you give it a like, give it a review, share it on to somebody you think will benefit from some of the questions in it. Over the coming weeks, I will be doing more of these Q&As, but I also will be getting on some guests to have some interesting conversations about Oh, any everything in fitness. I've got some some good people lined up so far. Get their uh, brains picked and get their point of view on some topics that I have to ugh, that I have uh, strong opinions on. So uh, thank you so much for listening. If you listen this far through, I promise this podcast will get exceptional before the end of twenty twenty. Um, all the links to all the socials type forms, newsletter, all of that stuff, I will get into a bio. Thank you and good night.